because I would also include funny stories about things that she did. She had a great sense of humor, and that's how she dealt with her health problems was through laughter. So I enjoyed sharing those stories, and I enjoyed sharing my life as a mom and a wife and a mother and a friend. I knew I was kind of struggling with I'm spending too much time on social media, like Netflix binging and spending too much time on Instagram, and I wanted to spend more time falling back in love with reading. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to have a lot of things to make people feel special. You are listening to Fort Worth Food Stories, brought to you by the Culinary School of Fort Worth. All right, welcome to Fort Worth Food Stories. I'm your host, James Grange. Uh, Today, I am joined on the show by blogger and podcaster, Melissa Austin Weeks. She is the founder and editor-in-chief of the Home with a Twist website and podcast. Melissa, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, James. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's it's exciting to have you, and um, I love having people reach out and um, be interested in coming on because that brings me joy. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm happy you uh, d- decided to reach out. But right off the bat, I, I would love to know why you started your blog site, when you started it, and kind of what was your inspiration behind it. Okay, so I started Home with a Twist under a different name about 10 years ago. My parents came to live with my husband and me, and we were their caregivers. They had um, health-related issues. And... My sister said, what would you think about maybe starting a blog where you could blog about your journey as a caregiver? Because I'm sure there's someone out there just like you who wants some reassurance or ideas or um, help on how they can be a caregiver and balance that with being a mom and working and all the hats that women wear. So at the time, I um, blogged under a different name, as I said, and I blogged for probably mm, until after my mother passed away. My dad passed away in 2011, and my mother passed away in 2013. And my mom's death was very sudden and unexpected, and I really grieved a lot for the loss of my mom. And I lost, she was my inspiration for writing. Um, Because I would also include funny stories about things that she did. She had a great sense of humor, and that's how she dealt with her health problems was through laughter. So I enjoyed sharing those stories, and I enjoyed sharing my life as a mom and a wife and a mother and a friend. So I I took about a year off to really think about my journey in losing my mom and that I still wanted to write, but I wasn't that same person anymore. I had learned a lot from taking care of my parents. So I relaunched under Home with a Twist. That was probably three years ago. And I take everything my mom taught me, but I put a modern spin on it. So it's really in memory of her and in memory of all the lessons that she's taught me growing up. Yeah, and I want to read the tagline from your site. is a daughter's twist. Can you tell I'm from New Jersey, a daughter? A daughter's <laughs> twist on her mother's traditions, which mm-hmm. I think is, is just really neat. Um, and it's a cool way to incorporate your family into this website um i do you find it to be therapeutic um this this site in terms of you know you talked about uh really struggling with with your mother's death and kind of getting back into writing do you find it kind of a way to keep her memory alive oh absolutely i believe blogging is a great tool that is much is very much like journaling except you're journaling for other people to read um, journaling is is extremely therapeutic and is one of the tools that is frequently used when you're going through the grief process. And 
I just want people to know that that I have the same feelings they do, even yeah. though I look like I've got it put together. There are some days that you know I'm quaking at the knees and I'm trying to struggle to get through the day like every other woman. I say woman because I find that most most of my readers are women, but I, absolutely. Um, you know, some women are like, I really, I want to make that recipe, but it looks too intimidating. And if I can break it down and show you how to do it, um, or an easy how-to project on refinishing a piece of per- furniture, or installing your own tile, those are, or gardening. If you want to start a garden and you're not sure how to do it, I try to break it down so it demystifies things. But I have loved it. It's been a great way for me to share my personal life with people, and I have formed some great relationships with people that I don't even haven't even met. Yeah, and I think that connection is is just super evident. Reading any of your stuff, listening to any of your stuff, is how personal and, and open you are. And I do want to get into that. I, I don't want to get too far away from um, the the twist on the traditions uh, just for a minute here, because I want to ask you. You know, when I so my mom makes what I think to be the best pasta sauce in the world. Okay, uh, I'd be my, interested to get the recipe. Yeah, on that. you know, it's if it's she's my favorite. To share. Yeah, and she would be for sure. And it's it's my favorite sauce. And amazing meatballs and I remember the first time that I made it but made a few tweaks of my own to it I was almost nervous to tell her like hey like I I did this this and this um, to it instead of your exact recipe Um, so basically this is a long-winded question and and way of asking did you have any nerves about putting twists on these old traditions um, and, and kind of going away from the exact way that your mom had done things there's a cake recipe that my mother made all the time I was growing up, and it's called the Elizabeth Doyle's Chocolate Cake. And for years, my mother made it in a sheet pan, which culinary school, you all know that a sheet pan is almost like a cookie sheet, but yeah. just maybe a smidge deeper. And the funny story about the cake is that I, I was probably in middle school, and one day I just asked her, who is Elizabeth Doyle? And she said, I have no idea who Elizabeth Doyle is. It's some recipe I found, I think, in a church cookbook. And (laughs) the woman's name was Elizabeth Doyle. So if you Google Elizabeth Doyle's chocolate cake, my blog comes up. So I would love to meet the original Elizabeth Doyle someday. (laughs) But as I got to be a grown-up, I love cake. It's my spirit animal. And I found that I wanted to have something a little bit of a meatier piece of cake rather than it coming from a sheet pan. So I converted her recipe to a 9 by 13. I don't think that she bat an eye. I think she thought it was brilliant. And we that's how we put the spin on the Elizabeth Doyle's chocolate cake. Yeah. So, okay. so And I might add a little smidge of cinnamon. I don't think she added cinnamon. And I love Mexican vanilla because I think it's very rich and has kind of a cinnamon aftertaste. So those would probably be the only little things that I made, similar to how you did your mom's pasta sauce. Yeah, and I think, you know, what I found in in my case, and I'm sure you probably feel in your way, is that um, our parents probably felt honored, right? That, you know, you're doing it. You're doing my sauce, but you're also thinking enough to put your own spin on it, which is is pretty neat. Uh, What are some of the favorite traditions that you can remember from growing up in, in your own household? My mother loved to cook and she loved to entertain, which she definitely passed that on to me. She loved to have people over. Um, My parents ran a business that was my grandfather's business, and so they would invite their employees over for meals, especially at Christmas time. So I remember her preparing lots of beautiful table settings with her copper um, 
serving pieces and just nothing. Her meals were never anything that were extravagant or culinary. They were just basic comfort food, pot roasts and pork chops and meatloaf. And I don't know that she really changed that much for when we had company over. But we also, when my siblings are a lot older than I am, and when they were all in school and eventually some married, she'd have weekly dinners at the house so that the family could all sit around the table and it was all served family style. Big bowls of mashed potatoes and gravy and corn and peas and chicken fried steak. Mm -hmm. Um, But we also had some really nice Christmas gatherings and mother never, it never seemed like mother ever got tired. She would make these wonderful appetizers for a Christmas Eve celebration. She'd get up real early Christmas morning and make a brunch and everything just seemed effortless and it was because she loved making people feel special yeah when i was growing up my parents had a farm in cleburne and we used to go there and spend thanksgivings and easter there and so i just remember a lot of family traditions being revolving around food and around being bringing people to the to the table and i to me those are the best memories mm-hmm. are the ones around food and the conversation that you have through the food, basically, mm-hmm. and, and what that opens up. What are some of the traditions that you have kept alive today? And then what are some of your own traditions that you do in your own household? Great question. I think one of the things that I carry over, my mother loved dishes. And she had a different dish for every occasion. She had Fourth of July, Memorial Day, uh, Labor Day dishes. She had uh, springtime dishes. And one of the collection of dishes that she inherited from her mother-in-law, my grandmother, were Johnson Brothers Friendly Village. And I, growing up, that's I always remember eating off of the Friendly Village dishes. Mm-hmm. They're, they're um, in colors of gray and taupe, and they're scenes of villages, basically, English villages and farm houses. And she gave all those to me and so i love to bring those out in the fall because they're they're very fall looking and especially to set the table at thanksgiving with those dishes because that those scenes remind me a lot of growing up in our going down to the weekend in cleburne in our at our parents farm and to me that's just embodies when i'm eating off of those dishes i feel like my mom is sitting right next to me yeah in terms of new traditions, uh, that's an interesting... I, I tell you what a new tradition we've started in our family is after my parents passed away, we decided we were going to stay in the house that we were in. It was our forever home. So we added a, an outdoor kitchen, an outdoor um, living space to our back patio and a, and a swimming pool. So we've started these traditions, especially in the summer. It's called Summer of Fridays. And it's an open invitation to any of our friends. You have, you have to let us know by Thursday if you're coming. And we have a different menu each Friday. It could be outdoor pizza night. It could be barbecue brisket, nachos, quesadillas. And everybody's supposed to bring a side. It's BYOB. It's from 6 to 9. We open the side gate and people just come over. We eat, we visit, and everybody helps to clean up and they go home. That's and cool. it was just fabulous. It was the easiest way to entertain because all I had to do was put out paper plates, napkins, cups, iced tea, and everybody else took care of the rest. Yeah. And it was, a lot of connections were made. That's one of the things my husband's and, husband and I really like to do, and we get that a lot from my dad, is 
you know, the connection that you and I made when we sat down, that you're a horn frog and I work at TCU. Yeah. And you just never know when you're sitting next to somebody, the connections that you can help forge and new friendships that can be made. And that's really what hospitality is about, is making people feel welcome and then giving them a connection that they can continue that after they leave. Yeah, and that is... I, I know we mentioned it just a minute ago, but that really is what comes out too in the blog and, and in the podcast as well. And I think it's cool that you're just so open and, and honest with people and, and very personal, um, which, which is, um, a, I don't know, I guess unique is probably the, the right word because I, I think a lot of people have their lives over here, right? And then their actual personal lives. And it seems like you've kind of done a nice job of, of blending those two together. On the flip side of that, do you ever get in trouble with your family for maybe oversharing in a blog or saying something that they wouldn't have wanted you to say? Well, um, I think my daughter, she's 19, and she probably would say, why did you share that? But I don't think I ever share anything that's too revealing. Okay. Um, I think one of the things they get hung up on is I can never. we can never go anywhere two things that happen we can never go anywhere without me striking up a conversation with a total stranger and it taking a little bit longer than they're wanting (laughs) my my family's wanting to move on to the next thing i get that from my dad growing up we'd go on vacation and we'd always go in the winnebago or motorhome we called it and we'd make camp and my dad would get the motorhome all connected and then he would disappear Mother would be busy in the, in the little kitchenette getting dinner ready, and she'd say, go find your dad. And I'd walk all over the campground, and I'd find him sitting with a group of people with an iced tea in his hand, and I'd say, Daddy, it's time to go eat dinner. And, and everybody would say, okay, Raymond, we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for <laughs> you know hanging out with us. And so I kind of have that too. I just love making connections. I love making new friends. I think you can learn from someone every single day. And so that is kind of a hang up for them. And the other thing is I take pictures of everything that I eat because it's a potential way for me to post it on social media Mm -hmm. to either help that business out because they served a really beautiful salad or we just went to Salado this past weekend and stayed in the brand new Stagecoach Inn and they served a really good um, hibiscus margarita and I took a picture of it because I wanted to share it on social media so they know I can't take they can't take a bite of their food until mom's taking a picture of it <laughs> that yeah that <laughs> would drive me crazy I think <laughs> because I'm very much like oh I love how this looks but I, I get right into it in, yeah. and, and I've tried to get myself more into the relax take a photo mm-hmm. um, but I wish I I do wish I had your mindset because there's a lot of times later on I want to show people yeah. hey look what I ate and and not here's half of what I ate when right. it's already been torn apart. And sometimes some, some <laughs> this depends on the lighting and where you are, but I have been known, I did it this weekend, to get up from where I'm sitting and go over to a different part of the restaurant to an empty table and mm-hmm. take a picture. <laughs> I never invade someone else's do, space. Do you ever get glances? Like, what is she doing? Um, I think so, and I think most people think, oh, she's probably either a food writer or she's probably posting that on Facebook, which annoys some people like I don't want to see what you're eating but um, I've just kind of learned that it's just who I am and you can like it or love it yeah and and that's kind of 
the difference probably now to the 10 years ago when you started this, right? It wasn't as out there to be a food blogger or... It wasn't. And I don't think if you go back to some of my old content, I, I didn't have the skills of taking great photographs. Yeah. I switched. I don't use a camera. I use my camera on my phone, but I use a Samsung. Mm-hmm. And probably about three years ago, this is a great tip for anybody who's thinking about doing a blog. If you don't want to invest in a, in a digital camera... I went to the phone store and they said, well, what are you going to be using your phone for? And I said, well, pictures, because I'm a blogger. And they said, Samsung, hands down, is a much better camera than iPhone. And they were right. I mean, my and I also use certain filters on my phone afterward to kind of brighten up a picture. Mm-hmm. But natural light is the best. And I've learned, I've also really self-taught myself on how to do graphic design. Okay. And so the quality of my pictures and the quality of my content has gotten better as I have looked to see what's popular on social media, but yet also still say, stay in keeping with the spirit of what I'm trying to convey on my blog. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you find that photos that are over edited are not quite as appealing as ones that are lightly edited and and look nice on the blog or do you even get comments on something like that oh, I get comments all the time about how beautiful the pictures are I don't try to in my pictures I don't try to 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 convey something that's not real I think that's a, a problem that we have with social media and if you look at someone's, especially their Instagram feed, and life just looks so perfect for them. Yeah. And I think that's hard to to feel like you're invested in that person. I try to take pictures of real things. You know, a book I'm reading with a cup of coffee on a Saturday morning or um, a picture of, of my one of many cats that I have at home and their antics of things that they get into. I think those are all real, and people are are wanting real. I don't think they're wanting manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I. That's what I'm drawn to is is the more real. And I do photography with my job here at the school, and uh, I always try to make the food look as real as possible. And, mm-hmm. and I think you really do a, a nice job of that on on your blog as well. One of the things that I've noticed on your blog that that really you know pops out at me is that. There's a lot of bees around. There's the honeypot. There's the bee in your. Uh, I always forget what the photos called in in your header on uh-huh. the on the website. Uh, you got you refer to your family as Mister, Mrs., and Miss Bee. So what's the significance of the bees? Okay, so when I was growing up, well, when I was before I was born, my mother wanted to name me after her great aunt Mary Helen, and my sister was 15. My brothers were 11 and 12, and my sister said. That's a terrible name. No offense to anyone named Mary Helen. I actually think as an adult, Mary Helen is a beautiful name. But I think she was thinking that, um, she said, nobody will speak to her if you name her Mary Helen. That's too pretentious. <laughs> so my mother said, fine, y'all pick out a name. So my sister went and bought a baby book. And she and my brother, baby name book, and she and my brother sat at the kitchen table. I was born. And so for five days, back then, you know, women stayed in the hospital up to a week. For five days, people kept, the records clerk kept coming in my mother's room and asking her, what do you want to name the baby? And my mother would say, my kids haven't decided yet, come back. And by the (laughs) fifth day, I guess they'd started at A, and by the fifth day they got to M, and my sister said Melissa, and Melissa in Greek means honeybee. And my brothers said, that's it, that's what we want to name her. And Kay, I I think mother just picked that name. It was a common southern middle name for girls. 
Melissa means honeybee, and so the significance of the honeybee is there's so many things. It uh, contributes to 60% of the pollination of the world's horticulture. And with bees being um, threatened right now, that's a significant, going to be a significant problem for us in terms of food that we eat. Bees are very determinate, determinated and determined and are prolific at finding and, re and sourcing pollen. They work together as a team. Um, they love flowers. Um, the aerodynamically, the honeybee's body is too big for it to fly, but it does anyway because of the span of the wings and its body size. So I think I, I have encompassed a lot of the qualities of the bee growing up. So I think when you name a child, it's good if you can come up with some significance because I think almost I have kind of embodied the definition of a honeybee, my resilience, my determination, my love of connectedness of being with people, my love of flowers. So when I branded Home with a Twist, I wanted it to, to, it to, as I said, to be in memory of my mom. So the picture on the graphic design is a woman with a beehive hairdo. That was actually what it was called back in the okay. day. Interesting. And it's where you take all the hair and kind of... Um, what we would call a messy bun now, and you just kind of take the hair and you swirl it on top of the head, and that's kind of called a beehive hairdo. And so it's got a bee swirling around her hair, and that is a significance. It's back to what my mom named me, the fact that she let her children name me, and that we were all together as a family invested in me as their their youngest child so that's that's where the significance of the bee so my husband we refer i referred to him as mr b and my daughter i referred to her as miss b i refer to myself as mrs twist so that's the home with the twist part uh, yeah i love i love all of that yeah. uh, that was cool i, I like <laughs> that story so um yeah just you know i was going through and i was like wait a what second i'm seeing a lot of bee yeah. but i miss that the beehive hairdo mm -hmm. I, I like that too that's mm -hmm. interesting um, and that's exactly how my mom looked when i would come home from school she would have on a little dress and an apron <laughs> and heels and her hair would be perfectly fixed in that beehive hairdo. Isn't She'd that amazing? Be standing to think at about, the sink, yeah, yeah, just cooking, cleaning, in that's, heels, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's amazing. To a different time for sure. Absolutely. Uh, so one of the things that I really am amazed at with your website, and as someone myself who does content creation, obviously I've got this podcast comes out every other week. Uh, I've got you know stuff I do for the school, I do for you know freelance, whatever. A lot of content creation. Sometimes I find myself in a rut mm -hmm. and just a creative rut. Do you try to keep yourself on a set schedule or do you kind of, when you get the inspiration, that's when you'll make a post? Great question. And there's, there's a couple of ways I can approach that. Every Wednesday I have a fashion contributor. Her name is Holly Williams and she's a stylist, a wardrobe stylist. And so I can always count on at least Wednesdays, the content being covered by Holly she rarely ever takes a vacation and i think she's got her content created well into the spring of next year so she'll get me an article and i'll source the graphics from the pictures that she's pinned to the pinterest board so she's been a, and a lot of and my readership spikes on wednesdays because everybody wants to know what is holly wearing today mm -hmm. what are her suggestions i try to do um i carry i have a note section in my phone so when I think of something I've heard or an article I've read or something funny that's happened, I'll keep story ideas in there. 
it's not unusual for me to also have the, what am I going to write about? I'm kind yeah. of at a loss. Sometimes I'll repeat really well-read articles that I've posted in the past. I'll recycle them and maybe bring them current with just a few tweaks. Um, holidays is a great source of content. And then sometimes it's just everyday life. I really, um, when I moved my daughter into TCU last year, I decided to do a 24-hour countdown of what it was like for me as a mom yeah. moving my only child in to TCU and wanted my readers to check with me every whenever they could that whole day because I was posting content every 5, 10, 30 minutes, an hour. I've got an update for you. So I think it just kind of depends on life, what's happening, current events, maybe something I'm struggling with or have had success with but I think every blogger has uh, has struggles sometimes with a block in content yeah and when you set out 10 years ago did you or when you started 10 years ago did you set out to make recipes in everyday life and you know fashion and where to eat and all that stuff or did you have a more narrow focus and it kind of expanded out as you maybe hit I think it was, I think it was narrower as I started and then I realized all the possibilities that were there um, one thing I have added is my home with a twist book club Mrs. Twist reads this and I started that about two years ago that wasn't on my radar at all ten years ago but about Two years ago, I read a really good book by Gretchen Rubin um, called The Four Tendencies. And her philosophy is that everyone is into one of four categories. And I am labeled as an obliger, which means I'm much more likely to get something done if I'm accountable. And so an analogy could be you're much more likely to work out with someone or to complete a workout regimen if you know there's someone waiting for you on the other end, a trainer or a friend. One of her suggestions is when you're finished with a workout, you trade each other's shoes. So you can't work out unless that person meets <laughs> you. I like that. So I knew I was kind of struggling with, I'm spending too much time on social media, like, you know, Netflix binging and spending too much time on Instagram. And I wanted to spend more time falling back in love with reading. I mean, I read when I was a child, but then I lost interest of reading because life happened. Yeah. But I always envy people that said they're getting ready to dive into a really good book. I wanted to be that person. So I thought, well, if I start a book club, I, I'll have to read the book because if I'm inviting people in my home to review the book, I can't be the moderator of the book club and not have read it. So I use the platform Book Movement, which is similar to what's popular Goodreads. A lot of people have heard of mm -hmm. that platform. And I just put it out there and I said, once a month at the end of the month, People are going to gather in my home, and we're going to discuss, discuss a book. And I pressed the start button, and now I have almost, well, I have over 90 members of my book club. That's great. They're um, nationwide, so it's virtual. If yeah. someone wants to be part of a community of readers, they can join our book club. We meet once a month in my home. We discuss a book. There's usually between 12 to 15 women that come. And it's been great. I've, I've read more books in the last two years than I've read since I was a kid when you had to have weekly readers. Yeah. And we've read all different kinds of topics. I've, I have finished every single book. And it's, it's been wonderful to have women say, I'm reading more than I've ever read in my life. 
and also it goes back to making those connections. We've been really lucky that a lot of times authors will call in to our book club and we'll get to do Q&A. Really? Yeah, probably one of the most well-known authors is Frances May, mm. and mm. she wrote Under the Tuscan Sun, and her newest book, Women in Sunlight, is phenomenal, and it's about a group of four women who are... Um, older in life and their children want them to move to a retirement home and they realize they have a lot more living to do so they all sell their homes and they move to Tuscany and each one has a different interest and it's about how they live together in a rented home in Italy and the adventures they go on and so Frances called into our book club and for a good 25 to 30 minutes she just talked to us about her life in Italy writing books what it was like to have one of her books turned into a movie and we've we've read a few duds, but most for the most part, our our books have been engaging. We've learned something from each one of them. We've definitely bonded over some of the books. And I try to pick books that are either new releases or have kind of gotten the buzz that maybe they're going to turn into a movie. So it's been a lot of fun. So yes, to answer your question, that was something ten years ago I would have never imagined being as content for my blog, yeah. but it's definitely on the menu tab. Um, my faith is something I blog about. Being a mom is something new that I've added. Gardening. Um, so those are awesome. And also, sometimes, every once in a while, I'll give a perspective of how my hus- what my husband thinks as having a wife for a blogger. And, yeah. and we did a really funny story with he and my daughter we were at the dinner table and we were talking with her about the newlywed game. I love, this was one of my favorite reads that okay, you guys did. Okay, yeah. so um, she said, what's the newlywed game? And I said, oh my gosh, women and men would sit and they would ask, the men would disappear and they'd ask the women questions and what they think the men would answer. And then they would flip the roles and you would write your answer on a big poster board. And the women would basically hit their husbands over the head if they got the answer wrong. <laughs> she said, oh, well, let's do it. So we Googled some questions and it was really funny. She'd ask the questions and then her dad and I would would give our responses and half the time my husband got them all wrong and you know I got them <laughs> right but that's kind of how the stick of the show is yeah so that was that was fun and she likes she likes to as being an only child we're probably a lot more free with her about uh being a married couple um but she laughs at some of the things we do and mm-hmm. things we say to each other and kind of rolls her eyes when you know we're being affectionate with each other so it's kind of cute <laughs> yeah and i feel like your daughter might kind of be within your target audience right i mean you you skew towards obviously women like we talked about before and i know that you had also mentioned that you want to, to kind of create this for younger women mm-hmm. and uh, one of the things that you had said when uh, you had reached out is that you focus on cooking entertaining and hospitality and and trying to help younger women learn those skills. So why did that become an important area of focus for you? Because I think that we, I I think the generation of my mom teaching me a lot about hospitality and homekeeping, my mom worked with my, with her dad. I'm sorry, my dad, my mom worked with her husband, my dad, to (laughs) run their business and she still had time to do a lot of things at home like teach me how to do my laundry and teach me how to cook a pot roast and i think that the generation of moms now are working and it's it's harder for them to pass along those things that they've learned from their mothers i 
I just think that there's a lot there's a whole generation of women out there that graduate from college that don't know how to cook a pot roast or to set a table or to write a thank you note or to host a bridal shower. I mean, there's so many skills my mom taught me that I just, and that's why it's been really important for me to teach those to my daughter. Mm-hmm. Those, just those little pearls of wisdom that I think are disappearing because we're such a busy society. We've, you know, kids are so over-programmed. They're, they're in multiple athletic after-school groups. They're, I saw something today where they even have junior kindergarten. I guess that's preschool. I don't really know, but it, <laughs> it's like everything is on the fast track. We're faster, we're bigger, we're more involved than we've ever been before. And I think that we're losing a lot of those things that are important at home. You know, eating out all the time and you don't get that conversation around the table. People are using their tablets and their phones at the dinner table instead of having conversation. My husband and I, when we went to Salado this weekend, I looked over and there was a couple that were sitting there with both of their phones were out. And they weren't even talking. They were just looking at their phones. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's important to have so much of what I've learned about myself and my love for family came from sitting around the table. And now that my mom's not here, I'd give anything for her to teach me how she made her rice pudding. Yeah, She made it all the time when I was growing up. And, and fortunately, she was still able to make it for us when she came to live with me. And my daughter says, why didn't you write down the recipe? And I'm like, I think she just made it just kind of on the stove without, like a lot of your chefs do here. Yeah. You don't have measurements of things. You just, you're going by texture or the way it looked. And I'm guilty of it too. That person's going to be around forever. I'll always be able to go back and ask them how they made what they made or where that dish came from or what was the secret rest, the secret ingredient. But one day you wake up and that person's not there anymore mm-hmm. and they didn't write it down. And so it's a lost, it's a lost art. Yeah. And I just think that if I could somehow convey to women and teach women just the basics of hospitality, you don't have to be rich. You don't have to have a lot of things to make people feel special and there's there's creative ways that you can do that but I think women younger women are, are losing losing that connection to generations before them of hospitality and do you would you ever consider maybe offering up classes teaching these things or do you kind of want to keep it website driven um, probably a little bit of both I think a lot of times people don't have I think I like an in-class experience because I like to be able to engage with other people but back to people's busy schedules you know a webinar series where you could learn how to the art of hospitality from your work desk at your lunch hour yeah I think there's a lot of potential for in-class class classes and then doing virtual classes um, you know in a few years when it's time for me to retire from my job I've explored the fact that one of my strengths is that I'm a learner on Strengths Quest, and um, I love to learn, and I also love to teach people how to enrich their lives, and so there's the possibility for that. And we we are coming up on time here, but I just want I just want to plug your podcast. I think it's really good. Um, I think it's a really great extension of your blog, and I think you really do a great job with it. Thank you. Um, yeah, you're welcome. And and the thing that I love the most, and we keep coming back to it and kind of harping on it, but 
you start each episode with a story from your personal life. And I think that's just a really neat way to do it. And um, I think some people are afraid of sharing on their podcast and some people don't know how to properly integrate it. And the way you integrate it is just doing it right from the start. And, and I think that's neat. Um, I really like the Christmas episode. So if people want to go back, listen to the Christmas okay. episode, I thought, thought that was really good. Um, but uh, basically, I guess... My one big question about your podcast, I'll, I'll try to condense it down to one big question. Um, is it hard for you to do a full show by yourself? I've done a lot of podcasts. I've done a lot of different types of podcasts. I've never done one where it was just me sitting down in front of a microphone and recording. Do you struggle with that at all? Or do you like that format? Uh, great question. I... I work on, I, you, it, when I was really involved with my podcast before I got busy with graduate school, I would write my content once a week and I always started with the personal stories and I'm, I, I appreciate you noticing that that, that's, that that was kind of my, my outline of how I started my show. And because I think a lot of times in a podcast you can convey things without having to say them in a pretty way, whereas with a blog you're writing about it, writing in grammar, you need to always have a photograph. People are people don't want to read just straight text. They yeah. want to see photos. Yeah. And so a podcast was a way for me to share just bits and pieces of my life without having to make it look pretty. Mm-hmm. And if it was a sad subject, I talk a lot about how grief has become my hobby over the years with um, losing a child when my husband and I were first married and the death of my parents, the suicide of my brother, and a, a divorce early on in, in my young early 20s so I think people have embraced the realness of my podcast but then I also try to put fun things in like a cocktail recipe yeah and um, the uh, candy cane or not the candy cane game the uh, peppermint game or what was that game where you were passing oh yeah uh, I love to do icebreakers and so sometimes I'll give an icebreaker suggestion in a podcast because you know, if you're trying to host a group of people that don't know each other, it's a great way to get to know each other and make connection. Again, it, it's that word, making connections. So, yeah, I, I, I think my podcast, to go back to your original question, is an extension of my blog, but in a more personal way. I try to leave people with a message at the end, and I want them to know more about me. So I'm going to be um, starting a new season of my podcast and I'm glad to know that you that you like those personal stories. I'll have to keep that in mind. Yeah, please do. And and you know, not saying you have to do it for me every yeah. episode, but I can't <laughs> be the only one who enjoys uh, how that connection happens. So uh, just to kind of wrap it up here, um, what is what is the future of Home with a Twist? And uh, do you have any projects upcoming? I know you mentioned the new season of the podcast, uh, but anything else maybe like that? Um, I am going to continue with. The course I'm on with my, my my blog, I really enjoy the way that I kind of have. I feel like I'm feel like I've found that sweet spot of what works. I'm probably going to go more into creating PDF content so that people can download maybe a recipe card mm, cool. or a tailgating guide. You know, a checklist so that if they're getting ready to have a tailgate party or a party, they'll have everything in organized. I do plan to write a book at some point on um, my life and include recipes and little anecdotes from growing up and things I've learned along the way. 
and I will be finished. I have about it. I'm halfway finished with graduate school, so I hope to graduate from with my master's in liberal arts from TCU at the same time my daughter gets her gra- her undergraduate Very degree cool. from TCU. So we hope to walk across the stage um, in the same ceremony, and then after that, I don't know. I just I I love where I am in my life right now. I just turned 55. It's a, I'm in a different season and I'm embracing everything that is given to me and being grateful for it and just um, seeing what, ha- what I'm open to possibilities. Great. And based on your track record, I imagine whatever going forward will be very successful as well. Um, will you just tell people once again uh, where they can find your website and then uh, also where they can follow you on social media? Sure. Homewithatwist.com is my website. And I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under Home with a Twist. So with Instagram and Twitter, it would be the at sign, mm-hmm. Home with a Twist. Um, you can find my podcast pretty much on any podcast channel, and it's the Home with a Twist podcast. Cool. All right. Well, uh, Melissa, thank you again so much for Thanks coming for on today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Good. Well, I, I really enjoyed this conversation as well, and uh, maybe we'll have to catch up in a couple of years when you uh, write your book. I would love that. I would love to come back. <laughs> That episode was brought to you by the Culinary School of Fort Worth. Located on Camp Bowie Boulevard, the Culinary School of Fort Worth is helping future chefs pursue their dreams every single day. You can reach out for more information or to schedule a tour on their website at csftw.edu, or you can reach them by phone at 817-737-8427. That's 817-737-8427. Also, you can check them out on social media to see what's going on daily at the school at Culinary School of Fort Worth on Facebook and Culinary School FTW on Instagram.